we have the great privilege once again and honor of, of having our president and co-founder, Pastor Don Wilkerson, with us today. Why don't we give him a, a round of applause? He's like a missionary all the way from Virginia every week. And we're so grateful for him. Thank you, Pastor Don. Okay, thank you. Um, wow. Uh, good things have been happening in the chapel. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we're getting set up to be, um, what do you call it, online? What do you call it? Streaming? Streaming. Yeah, live streaming. Yes, amen. And, uh, let me ask you a question. Um, what miracle did Jesus do that so stirred up the religious leaders that they were afraid they were going to lose their place in the Roman government they were going to suffer financially. They were going to suffer prestige-wise. They were going to suffer in any ways. And so they plotted to kill Jesus. What did he do to cause them to do that? Right. That was... A, that, that was uh, Early in, in 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 the beginning, and uh, he escaped uh, from from that time. Uh, but then there was another time near the time uh, of his crucifixion. Uh, he di he did something else. Uh, anyone think? Yes. No, no, that's not it. He raised somebody from the dead. Yes. Who? Lazarus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Yes. Yes. And uh, when you raise people from the dead, you can get in trouble. And that's what we do here at Teen Challenge. We raise the dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. Take your Bible and turn to... Uh, the story of Lazarus, and I want to make a few points from it, and I'll pick it up at the point where uh, Jesus came on the scene, and, uh, well, what verse is that? Uh, I can't see that verse. What verse is that right there? Right there, where my thumb is. John? Yeah, John 11. 1136? Yeah, 1136. I don't know why I bring such a small print Bible. It's just easy to carry it. Um, and it says, then Jesus, okay, yeah, give me that one. I'll trade you. Uh, what, what version do you have? Uh, New King James. Okay, New King James. Then Jesus said, uh, then the Jews said, see how they loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying. Then Jesus, verse 38, then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb and it was 
a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that you would, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Remember that phrase, the glory, the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Then when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Why did he say, Lazarus, come forth? If he hadn't said Lazarus, everybody would have come forth. Everybody would have been resurrected. So he was specific. And God speaks to you, whatever your name is, and he says to you, come forth <laughs> out of your situation. Uh, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him. And let him go. My brother preached a message, and I'm going to try to find it, called Blessed Are the Unwrappers. And I'll make a reference to that later. Take away the stone. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is so relevant at all times, in all ages, in all places, in all situations. It is as fresh as the morning dew. It is as fresh as morning baked bread. Thank you that you are our bread of life. And we get nourished through your word. Bless these thoughts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, during Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, he had no home no home base, and no headquarters. But he did have friends. And uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus of Bethany, uh, a suburb of sort of, of Jerusalem, um, and Jesus, like anybody else, enjoyed their fellowship and the comfort of their hospitality as a, as a loving place where he could go and he could be refreshed. Um, and the house provided Jesus with the closest thing to a place to visit when he ministered in Jerusalem. And it may have been the only place that was the exception where Jesus, it says that Jesus had no place to lay his head. It's in Luke 9, 58. Now, hospitality was essential, an essential part of culture in Jesus' day. But it seems to be less so today. As a youngster, I was so blessed because in those days, whenever there was a visiting speaker, and especially a missionary, they stayed in our home. 
they ate at our table. And I used to love to sit at the table and, and, uh, and, and listen to their stories and, and other pastors uh, that came. And after the service, um, uh, again, again, there would be some re refreshments. And my mother would send me up to bed, and I'd go halfway up the stairs and, and sit down and just listen. And I learned so much. One of the greatest gifts that can be given us is a place with uninterrupted fellowship and refreshments and conversation. And Jesus seemed to have that, especially with sisters Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And that's why this story is so special. And uh, it provides some rich lessons, and I want to look at a few of them. Number one is the contrasting ways of the glory of God. The contrasting ways of the glory of God. Now, the Bible teaches, and Jesus taught here, that he's glorified by healing the sick, opening the blind eyes, and raising the dead. But even when there is no answer to prayer, he is still glorified, and yet in another way. When Jesus was told that his friend Lazarus was dead, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God and that the Son of God may be glorified. Now, he knew what he was going to do, but Mary and Martha, of course, they, they didn't know. And they were confused when Jesus didn't rush to Bethany and to Lazarus. Listen, Jesus can be glorified both in life and in death. He can be glorified by healing, but he also can be glorified by enabling us to suffer and yet to stay strong through our pain or our suffering and our testings and our trials. God is glorified even in the answers, the delayed answers of prayer. How? Because delays require trust. And trust builds character. And delays teach us that God is sovereign. In that his timetable is his and not ours. And even if we don't get our answer, he wants to be glorified in our circumstances. When Jesus was told that Lazarus was sick but still alive, he waits four days told her to go to Bethany, and by then Lazarus was dead. Still, this did not change the fact that God would be glorified in this. Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh, and he prayed three times for the thorn to be delivered, and it wasn't. And there's always a lot of speculation as to what that thorn was. Some people think he had weak eyes, because it says over in Galatians 6.11, and he, he wrote a letter to the Galatians by his own hand, and he said, see how large a letter I write? <laughs> Some people think that his eyes were bad, so he had to write real, real, real big. I don't know. I don't know what that thorn was. He didn't get an answer to the thorn, or to he, the thorn was not taken away, but he got an answer, and what was the answer that came to him? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
Your weakness can glorify God if in your weakness you stay strong in your faith. Hallelujah. Hmm. Paraplegic sufferer Joni Erickson Tata, who when she was 19 or whatever, drove into a pool and she became a paralytic and she's probably in her 60s now, I don't know. And she said this, and she ministers to people in her condition. She said, I do not care if I am confined to this wheelchair, providing that it can glorify God. Now, some people have a hard time with this, especially the super faith people that think that everybody, if you have faith, you're rich, or your faith, you can be healed. But if you have faith, you also can be made strong in your weakness. Jesus was no less God when Lazarus was sick as when he had died and when he was raised from the dead. Of course, it's better to have a loved one or ourselves be healed than not. But is not his grace sufficient in all cases? Mary was right in saying, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus' reaction is rare, but an important glimpse into the suffering. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And then this smallest, shortest verse in the Bible. When I was in the church as a, as a, as a young man, we, we would have to quote a, verse from, quote a verse from the Bible. And I cheated. I always said, Jesus wept. That's an easy one. But, you know, John wrote that without, without any commentary, and he wrote it many years later, showing me how effective that was and what an impression it made upon him that Jesus wept. He didn't weep for Lazarus because he knew what he was going to do, but he wept for Mary and Martha and the friends of Jesus. That he would be glorified in all of that. Often God is glorified more by giving us grace than by giving us deliverance. As we wait for healing and the deliverance from our troubles. In Psalms 57, David is holed up in a cave, hiding from King Saul. King had, the King Saul had put a contract out of him. There are wanted posters all over the land, <laughs> as it were, for David. And he writes, and I love Psalms 57. Read it when you get back to your room. Read it later today. Uh, and David describes his situation as being among lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. We know somebody has been going through that recently. And David writes, be exalted, O God, above the heaven. Let your glory be above all the earth. And then he repeats it later on in the chapter. Someone has written regarding David. He begins in a cave and he ends, as it were, in heaven. And what is so striking on this occasion is a connection between David's perilous situation and his heightened sense of the glory of God. He opens with a prayer for deliverance and he ends up with a praise for deliverance before the deliverance even came. That's faith. Point number two, 
There is a contrast here between the worrier, worrier, did I say it right? Worry, worry, W-O-R-R-Y, W-O-R-R-I-E-R, worrier. There is a contrast between the worrier and the worshiper. Martha of the two sisters was a domestic one, and Mary the devotional one. It was a Martha that went to meet Jesus as he entered the village. And like many of us, she was the if person. The if person. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. It was a veiled accusation that Jesus did not care about her brother's sickness and that Jesus' delay resulted in his death. And Martha, we know, was a worrier, for even Jesus said it in Luke 10, 41, Martha, you are concerned about so many things. And you probably could picture her waiting the days when Jesus did not come, those four days. Have you ever been through those four days? <laughs> Maybe you're going through one right now. You say, oh, Brother Don, four days. I'll take four days. Mine's been 40 days. Some of you, it's been four years. Um, and, and you can picture her waiting those days when Jesus did not come pacing, wringing his hands, wringing her hands, busying herself, all the while worrying herself into a frenzy. And all the while Mary may have been praying calmly, being strengthened by her faith. Are you a Martha or are you a Mary? We each have to be one or the other depending on the occasion. At times we might need to be one or the other. Martha had the gift of hospitality and Mary had the gift of faith. The Marthas show their love for the Lord in their works and Mary's in their worship. We need to be both as the occasion calls for it. Worry is like paying rent in advance of occupying a place. Worriers believe that God can get them to heaven, but they can't believe that God will get them through the next week. Hmm. They believe Christ can break the shackles of sin, but not help them with everyday responsibilities. Trust is the anecdote to worry. When we are worshipers, whether in a public place or private prayer or letting your heart reach out to God, even in the midst of daily activities, your focus is on Christ. And the songwriter has, songwriter has said, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Be a worshiper. I was sitting in the back thinking when we first occupied this chapel, we had uh, less than half the number of people in the program as we do now. It took time to, you know, to build it. And I, I remember I would come into the chapel, and there would be two rows of guys sitting here. 
there would be about two, uh, a, a couple rows empty, and then there would be guys sitting in the back. And I would come to chapel, and I would make the guys sitting in the back get up and move up a few rows. I'd do that many, uh, many chapel services. And then one day when I started to do it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't do that anymore because where they sit is where they're at. I said, Lord, would you run that by me again? He said, that's a public illustration where some of them are worshipers and some of them are spectators. And the Lord said, don't you try to bring them don't you try to make them a worshiper. Only I can do that. Now, no offense to those of you that sit in the back today. <laughs> Be a worshiper. <laughs> Sunday, my wife and I, we're, we're, we're driving to our, our daughter's place on Sunday for, for lunch. <laughs> and I, I have serious radio um, uh, on, in my car. And... and there, there, are three, uh, there are three Christian stations. Uh, one is traditional music. One is um, 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 more or less, you would say, black gospel. And the other is contemporary. Uh, so uh, the traditional is, is, is 65. The other is 66 and 67. So you, you can guess which, which number I'm on most of the time. 65, traditional. But I was, I was turning the dial, and then all of a sudden I had to, I was distracted uh, and do something in the car, and I, end, and I end up on a country and western station called Willie Nelson. And I didn't, I didn't realize it, and I, I was going to start to worship. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I caught myself. Uh, and realize it, and I told my my wife what happened when I was when I was a young kid, a teenager. I was in the car with my father, and there there was some something on the radio that was part of a commercial or whatever, and and, and my dad started to sing and to worship. He said, "Oh, praise God!" And I said, "Dad, that's a, that's a, that's a that's a commercial about you know beer or I don't know what it was." <laughs> and I learned that when your heart is in the right place. You want to be a worshiper. And I remember a missionary told a story when he was working, building a church in Africa with one of the Africans, and he was singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. And when he finished, the African turned to him and he said, oh, pastor, sing it again, sing it again. He thought it was a worship song. His heart was in the wrong, right place. Be a worshiper. And some of you are. And, 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 and some of us are more demonstrative in our worship, and others, others, others are not. Only God knows your heart. And I don't care where you're sitting the, 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 this morning. You can be a worshiper and ought to be a worshiper, not only here, but anywhere that you go, your heart reaching out to the Lord in worship to him. And so, uh, Mary, um, uh, Martha, uh, the ministry of Martha, I thank God for it. I thank God for the Marthas. We couldn't get along without them. 
But even Martha needs to be a Mary at times. And sometimes a Mary needs to be a Martha. Point number three. To experience a miracle, you have to take away the stone. Take away the stone. Hmm. Faith and obedience is necessary before God can act. And let me mention a few stones that need taken away from us in order to experience what God wants to do in your life. Um, stone number one is a stone of human reasoning. I can't tell you how many times I face a challenge, a challenge in the ministry or a personal challenge. And I have the solution already figured out for God. Now, don't tell me you haven't done that. But often the solution I come up with is based on human reasoning and not on faith and trust in God. And I'm talking to somebody here this morning. Hmm. You have decided on your own what your future is going to be. And it's based on human reasoning. And if so, I say to you this morning, if you don't get anything else out of this message, take away the stone of human reasoning. Let it go. Let it go. And let God reveal his will and purpose in your life. Human reasoning is good to a point. But in the end, what God has for us is reasonable. My, my, one of my sons-in-laws, uh, oh, and, and, uh, uh, it was him, but also it was uh, Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller used to run out of the service when they gave an altar call because he was afraid that God was going to call him into the ministry. Yeah, guess what he's doing now? He doesn't wait for pastoring out. <laughs> out in, uh, yes, yes. And I have, I have one of my son-in-laws was, was the same thing, raised in a church, always afraid to answer the call to the altar because he was afraid the Lord was going to send him to Africa or some other far-off country. And, 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 and now he travels all over the world as, as, as a businessman but not, not, not in ministry because God, that was not God's call for him in his life. You know, a guy went into the bookstore and he asked the clerk, where's, where's the self-help section? She said, I can't show you, it would defeat the purpose. She said, sorry, you have to find it yourself. Psalms 32, 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the pathway of your life. 
I will guide you along the pathway of your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I've often said that one of the theme songs in America is Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way. And some of you have lived too long already doing it your way. <laughs> Isn't it time that you did it God's way? I posted on Sunday um, called, I, I call it a, a, a Sunday sentence sermon. And uh, I have a whole collection of them. And this Sunday it was this. God will put you in positions you never applied for. God will put you in positions you never applied for. So there is a stone of human reasoning. And then the next, the next one is the stone of the hardness of the heart. This is similar to the point I just made, but hardness of heart is when you are stubborn about wanting your way. It's one thing to want your way. It's another thing to be obstinate, to be stubborn. Romans describes the worst kind of hardness, which is rejecting God. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself to the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. If you have yet to yield to Christ, is it because you're still weighing the cost? And that's okay. That's understandable. You weigh the cost. You should weigh the cost. But if, but if, if, if it's because of the stubbornness of heart, I pity you. Because Paul writes and says, payday someday. Payday someday. Hard-headed people are always headed in the wrong direction. In Mark 16, 14, after speaking of his resurrection, he appears unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And the scripture says, he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now that's the disciples. Because they believed not that which, I had, which had been seen after he had been risen. Listen, if you're a student in the program and you've been here for weeks or or months, you're surrounded by people who have been raised up from the dead, has had a miracle in their life. And if that hasn't convinced you yet that you can have a miracle, isn't it about time you're convinced? <laughs> if the Lord was here, he would upbraid you. He would rebuke you and say, listen, you're surrounded by people who have been resurrected. A stubborn will and a stubborn won't is to commit spiritual suicide. If you have a rock-solid heart of resistance to Christ, you must roll the stone away. Notice that Jesus said to them, roll the stone. He could have rolled it away. He could have just spoke the word and it rolled away. He said, no, you do it. You do it. Take away the stone from your heart. 
but that was number two. Number three, the stone of unbelief. You see, there is a difference between belief and faith. There is a belief that is unbelief. Let me explain. When Jesus came on the scene at Bethany, Martha met him. And I picture her going out. It, it, it's interesting that she's the one who goes out and she meets Jesus. And she, he, she sees him coming. And hold this a minute. Uh, and I picture her standing like this. And she's about to give Jesus what for. Why? Now, it's interesting. Jesus said, uh, ask Martha. Uh, uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection of life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Then Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? And in her answer, she became a theologian. She said, oh, yes, you, I believe you are the son of God. That's knowledge. And some of you, how many of you have been raised in, in, a, in, a, in a Bible church. I mean, a, a, a church that, that preached about how, how, how many of, of, were you raised in that kind of, put your hand up. Yeah, there, uh, some of you are afraid to admit it. Um, <laughs> you know, and I see this over and over again, those who come into the program, and, and, and sometimes, sometimes those who have knowledge have the hardest the hardest time because they know the truth. They know the Son of God, but they've never exercised their faith. They've never had a relationship uh, with, with Jesus. And Jesus gets to the bottom of this. And so in answer, Martha becomes a, a theologian. In effect, she says, yes, I know that you are the Son of God. I know that, you will be, that Lazarus will be raised up in the last days and I will meet him in heaven. This is what I call avoiding the question with the right answer. Yet it was not the faith answer. Jesus wanted to hear from Martha. In other words, Martha had a general belief that Jesus was the son of God, but not a specific belief or faith personally in him. Somebody, somebody said, um, do I need the Holy Spirit to, to get to heaven? They said, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> in other words, you you need you need something something in something in the side. Jesus does not want us to have the kind of belief that even the devil had. Paul said the devil believes and it's it's trembled. You can have a belief based upon Bible knowledge. You can believe Jesus is a savior. But Jesus was not looking for that kind of endorsement. He wanted to know that in this case, regarding her dead brother, did she believe resurrection for Lazarus was possible? Jesus was looking for personal faith, not general belief. And you've got to ask yourself which you have. Mary and Martha, I'm sure, knew of other cases of Jesus raising the dead. But they didn't see it the possibility in their situation. Now, many, many of you 
have had a lot of failures in your life, and so you may, you, 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 you may struggle to believe that God can do for you what he's done for other people. But let me tell you, whatever God does, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith moves mountains. And then finally, there is a stone of hopelessness. <laughs> this is interesting to me. The stone of hopelessness. I'm assuming that because you've entered this program, that you're here because you have had the hope of changing. However, you can come to a point where your hope diminishes and eventually dies. And sometimes hope is like getting on an airplane and takes off and you rise up. You rise up. And then the plane levels off. And that's okay. That's okay. Using that as a spiritual analogy where, where you, know, you, you take off and, and, and you feel very, very strong. You can conquer the world. And then things level off. Listen, everybody goes through periods when hope dies or begins to die. And you feel like you want to give up. So I, I, I saw somebody posted and, and said, I tried to throw in the towel, but God took it and he threw it back at me. <laughs> hope. Hope. Don't give up your hope. Never, never, never give up hope of what God could do in your life. The reason these chapel services are important is that every believer, every Christian fights against growing weary and cold and disturbed at times and being on the verge of throwing in the towel. And if that, that's why you, you need to come and renew your faith day by day. And that's why I'm so pleased when I, I, I see the worship that goes on in this chapel. But my question is, are you entering into that worship? Are you that worshiper? Now, there's another, there's, there's another message that, that could follow this that I, that I don't have, and maybe I will, is uh, uh, Lazarus came out of the grave with still the grave clothes on him. <laughs> and, and what does that mean? Somebody tell me what that means. He still had the grave clothes on him, and, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Um, Blessed are, what's that? Yeah, he, 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 he was wrapped in, in, in death, uh, and that, that, uh, that, that represents maybe the old life. Uh, but even, even when you're resurrected, there are things that the Lord wants to unravel and strip away. Blessed are the unwrappers. Paul is an unwrapper. 
Josh is an unwrapper. Michael is an unwrapper. Winston, all of it, their job is to loose you from the things that hold you back so that you can soar into the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Blessed are the rappers. Will come and lead us uh, into worship. Praise God. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Let's, let's, let's be a worshiper this morning. Let's be, let, let, be, before, you, before you go out to be a Martha, spend some time as a Mary. <laughs> you already have this morning, but one more time. Praise God.